Jesus' name. I couldn't be more excited about a sermon, I think, than what we're going to be hearing today. Uh, Richard Larkham was, uh, is a, son, a spiritual son to me, and uh, he's been in the U.K. for the last several years. Uh, after spending three years at Bethel Reading, both going to the school of ministry there and uh, working on developing website for for that uh, ministry. Uh, but before that, he was five years working on staff with us, led a revival in which there were over 200 churches involved over the course of four months. People from other churches in other states came and uh, was a healing revival almost every night for for uh, four months. And um, and other, other ministry, that's just part of it. But the thing I have appreciated most about Richard's ministry was the anointing of teaching and preaching that, that's on him. And you'll, you will hear good, good words that will carry the manna of heaven, the bread of life today. So have your hearts attentive, your hearts open, and uh, the Holy Spirit's going to work mightily in us this morning. We anticipate that because he is good. God is good, and Richard's his humble servant. Let's give him a warm welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 84. We're going to look at um, one of the Psalms of longing. That's what... It's called, there's a few psalms in the Bible described as psalms of longing. And they're in there. They're designed to stir hunger for more of God. That's why they're in the Bible. And we're doing this series, aren't we, on this topic for the praise of his glory, or to the praise of his glory. And so I thought, well... Then let's look at this psalm of longing together and unpack it. So, let's read it. Oh, it's, you know, it's a bit long, but you can hang in there. As I read it, think about how is this psalm provoking, provoking a desire for more of God? That's why it's in the Bible. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrows found a home, a swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. 
O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So it's written, probably, by a Levite, someone who works in the temple in Jerusalem, or is used to working there. And now, for whatever reason, he can't get there. This is the immediate context. So there's the temple in Jerusalem, and this, this Levite's longing to experience the presence of God there in the temple. And for whatever reason, he can't go there. And he's jealous. I mean, he's jealous of birds, for goodness sake, who can fly and make a nest somewhere up close. And he's longing to be there. And he's jealous of the ones who are making this pilgrimage, this journey to Zion to appear before the Lord in the temple. That's, if you like, the immediate context. But I read a triple meaning here. That's the first meaning, the temple in Jerusalem. But you know, when you became a Christian, you became the temple. So the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6.19, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own, you were bought at a price. Every person on planet earth is born with a deep, foreign shrine, a throne, if you like, in their heart. Before you became a Christian, self ruled there. But when you became a Christian, you said to Jesus, you take the throne. And in that moment, he took his place there and his very blood cleansed that inner sanctum, that holy of holies, and it became the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Has that happened to you? Is Jesus the king of your heart? If he's not, can I encourage you to take care of it today? Give him the throne. He's a better king than you are. You won't regret it. Take care of it today, would you? Come and talk to Dan or me or someone and just say, I want Jesus to be the king of my heart. So when you're born again, You become the temple. So I read through the lens of the new covenant. As I read Psalm 84, I read a psalm of longing for someone who knows theologically that they are the temple, but who is yearning and longing to know in heart-satisfying experience the manifest presence and live out of the dwelling place. That's what I read in Psalm 84. Put your hand on your heart and say, How lovely is this dwelling place? I am a lovely dwelling place for the Spirit of God. So that's the second meaning I read. But there's a third meaning. I'm going to turn to Revelation 21, right at the end of the Bible. 
verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. I read a third meaning into Psalm 84, which is the longing for heaven. This world is not all there is. And this is short. It's over. Just like that. Um, There's a song I'm enjoying at the moment. Maybe we'll put it on later when we pray for people at the end, maybe. Um, By Corey Asprey. and And it's called Endless Alleluia. And one of the lyrics in the song is this. Only a moment to live this life, like shooting stars burning up the night, till heaven opens and we appear in your presence. Have you ever seen a shooting star? Have gone out on a dark night and looked up and seen a shooting star? Suddenly streaking across and then it's gone. That's your life. You're here and it's gone. What will you choose with this miracle? This is a miracle. Your life is a miracle. Your existence is a gift. Your consciousness is a treasure. And it's a moment. What will you choose? We live for the praise of his glory. And it says here in verse 4 of Psalm 84, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. You know you've met someone who lives out of that reality of the dwelling place because they never stop praising. Thank you. You read my mind. That was a good point. Let me read it again. Here's the verse. Blessed are those who dwell in your house for they are ever praising you. So you know if you've met someone who dwells in the house because they're ever praising So what does it take to take praise out of your mouth? What frustration, what irritation, what disappointment, what loss, what pain takes the worship right out of your mouth? 
Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. That spiritual maturity, and I'm not even close. I mean, I'm not even, I'm, not, I'm just, just on the start line here. But I want to live for the praise of his glory. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Earlier in the year, I went to stay with some friends of mine in England. Dear friends, David and Hannah Strutt, godly people I respect very much. And I went to stay with them. I stayed overnight. In the morning, David had been praying for me, and he read Psalm 84 to me in the morning. Which, And the whole reason I'm preaching on it today is this experience I had with my friends earlier in the year. And nothing I'm saying, by the way, is my own. You know, David Strutt, he gets the credit for this one, so well done to him. <laughs> I'm just borrowing his stuff today. It's okay, I told him earlier, I said, I'm going to nick your stuff today. And he said, bless you. Anyway, he said to me, God, uh, God's looking for pilgrimage, not perfection. And he said, blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You know, the fact is, life isn't going to unfold perfectly, is it? Your plans won't come true perfectly like you think. Not every prophetic word's gloriously fulfilled the way you expect. Life's messy. And David knew I was stuck when I went to see him. And um, I needed help. And David blessed me and he prayed for me. And um, I don't want to go into too much of it on the personal level. Suffice to say, um, I was I was stuck. I needed help. And he said to me, "Richard, you're on pilgrimage." And he says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, and he said, "Richard, Baca means tears." It means weeping. As they passed through the valley of Baca. And he said, Richard, you need to get up. As they passed through, right? You're not supposed to camp out. You're not supposed to lie down and say, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. As they pass through. It means all of your problems are short-lived problems. All of your losses are temporary losses. All of your suffering and all of your pain and all of the difficulties are just momentary. As they pass through, Backer. We're on pilgrimage. 
And my dear friend David brought his walking stick out. And he said, stand up. So he made me stand up. He said, hold the walking stick. You're on pilgrimage. You're going somewhere. Where are you going? To the heart of God. And he prayed for me and he he dusted me off. And something happened to me there. I've been struggling for some years, if I'm really honest, to really feel the presence of God and really feel connecting, like I was connecting with him. And I've just been encountering the Lord recently. He's brought me back to some precious things he spoke to me about years ago and he's 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 refreshing me and some of you are stuck which is why I brought my walking stick I'm going to pray for you just like my friend David at the end here anyway as they pass through the valley of Baca and the other thing about Baca is it means balsam trees so as they pass through here's a balsam tree as they pass through the valley of the balsam trees so this is a shrub a little tree grows in arid places you can see in the picture but its bark has this really unusual aromatic resin And it was called the balm of Gilead. And they would cut, they would cut the bark until this sap would bleed out. And they would take that resin and it would become priceless perfume. But also it had healing properties. It was this balm, this balsam balm that was used as a healing ointment. So prophetic. As they pass through the valley of the balsam trees, the valley of tears, you're cut and it hurts, but there's something coming out of you that's very precious to God. And it's going to help people, it's going to bring healing. And as they pass through, they make it a place of springs. You don't camp out there. You don't give up there. You don't lie down and say, I'm done, done with this. You just keep going. Because you're on pilgrimage. You're going to, to Zion to appear before the Lord. You're going to his heart. And actually, though it's dry, there's water under your feet. There's refreshing. Springs. And then it says, um, autumn rains also cover it with pools. The word pools means blessings. Autumn rains are refreshing. In, In the Bible, rain is a metaphor for the blessing of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit. 
They're in the middle of Baca. Then you might not be able to see the way out. And you might feel like you've been in this valley for years. That you're passing through. And the autumn rains cover it with pools. The, um, in Joel chapter 2 in the Bible, 2.23, it talks about the autumn rains and the spring rains. This, this book was written for Israel, for this nation that lived in a dry, rocky desert, right? I mean, it's a dry country. It's a desert country. And after the long, hot summer, the ground's parched and cracked. But then the autumn rains come. Gentle. Just gentle, but they refresh the ground. But the thing about the autumn rains there is they're a pointer. There's a coming spring rain. And the spring rains are a deluge. They're heavy rain. And in Joel chapter 2, this is the picture he's using for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's like the spring rains that flood the earth. There's a former rain and a latter rain. There's an autumn rain and a spring rain. What's the point? I'm not really sure. I just like the sound of it. (laughs) I think there's something prophetic. He who has ears to hear. There's autumn rains. There's gentle, refreshing rains of his blessing now. But they're pointing to a coming, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A heavy rain that you can't control. I don't really know what that means. Anyway, there it is. Oh. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. You're going from strength to strength. Don't give up. You're on pilgrimage. Going from strength to strength. Till each appears before God in Zion. When really, he won't even remember. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. It says here, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I love that. I mean, you could be a billionaire, right? You could have your own jet and you could fly to some island paradise somewhere, fly in the best Michelin star chef in the world to make you the finest food paired with the most perfect wine. And you could swim in your swimming pool with some beautiful people and have a marvelous day in paradise. And a thousand days like that don't even compare to one day when you know you're a friend of God. And you have the favor of his face. And he knows you. And he understands you. And he accepts you. And you live in his smile. And he wants you. And he desires you. And he enjoys you. And he's for you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I always read it like a diminutive. I'd rather clean the toilets, right? I'd rather be a janitor, right? You know, I take the lowest possible job as long as I'm there in the house of God compared to dwelling in the tents of the wicked. I don't read it like that anymore. What does a doorkeeper do? He stands at the door and welcomes Ushers in. I've been there. I've been there. It's so good. Come on. All ministry is doorkeeper ministry, right? It doesn't matter what you do or how you find your way to serve the Lord. You're a doorkeeper. You're um. You're a thanks, Tina. I mean, think about it. Yeah, let's say you're in inner healing. Some of you volunteer in the healing rooms. You're a doorkeeper. I know someone who can help with that. Come on in. You're a pastor. You need love. That's where to get it. You can look anywhere. Anywhere in the world, you won't find it like you find it in here. You're an intercessor. What are you doing? You're praying people over the threshold. Praying them right up into the throne room. That's intercession, isn't it? What about an evangelist? At the door. Baffled. All the people passing by, distracted, entertained, lost. They're shooting stars. They've got milliseconds. An evangelist just says, Come on in. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Okay. Let me finish with this thought. Verse uh, 11 says, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I love that. That's a blank check. (laughs) Have you noticed the Bible has a few blank checks? You make the list. Good things. Um, A house. A car. A soulmate, community, friends, belonging, a church, a career, position, influence. You make the list. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Do you know we have a very generous God? A very good, generous 
God who wants to bless you. He's pretty determined. He wants to bless you. No good thing does he withhold. He wants to bless you, but he wants to know he has your heart. He, why would he give you something that would take your heart? He wants to bless you. How does he know he's got your heart? Back up. Everything's stripped. Stripped right down. Will he just stop? I can't can't do this anymore. One more loss. It's going to split me in half. I I I can't keep going. Or will he just say, Jesus, you're all I want. And you're worth it. You're worth it all. You're all I want. And I'm on pilgrimage into your heart. That's it. So, I think what I'd like to do is invite you to come forward. Um, to receive prayer. Um, I don't have a long time to pray for each person, but I'm going to come around with my Dan's walking stick that I borrowed. And I'm going to give you the walking stick. This is a prophetic act, okay? You take the walking stick and I'll pray for you. It's symbolic. You're on pilgrimage. Some of you are just starting your pilgrimage. Some of you want to start today. <laughs> like I was saying, have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you made him the king of your heart? Well, this is a good moment to come and do that, yes? Come take the walking stick and say, for the rest of my life, I'm on pilgrimage. Some of you are stuck. And when I describe Baca, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to paint the picture for you. You know that. You know what Baca looks like. And you, you are hurting and you need help. And you need grace for this part of the journey. Come and let me pray for you. And some of you just want more of God. You're just uh, tired of this superficial, empty kind of existence. And you know there's more and you want more of him. Well, then come as well. All right. So we're going to put Psalm 84. Do we have that? So we've got us singing Psalm 84 that I like. And I don't want you to wait. Just come and, and, and just fill up the front. And uh, I'm going to pray briefly for each person. But just come and do business with God, would you?
length of the prayer isn't as important as the fact of the prayer and all of us taking it by faith. So when Richard prays for you, own it fully. It's yours. Give them 